Okay, everyone. Okay, remain see, uh, standing, and if you have your worship guide, we would encourage you to turn to the authority of scriptures, or you can always open up your Bible and read along with us. This is the authority of God's word, and we are going to read 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 and following. This is God's word. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you, church, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin, you were beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is the gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you may follow in his steps. He committed no sin, Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to, those, to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Okay, so as we are working through 1 Peter, let me remind us that we are in the deep portion of the pool. That's right, we have jumped into the deep end, meaning that Peter is now asking us or in fact telling us how we shall now live. This middle section of the passage is a very practical one in which Peter is giving us command after command and telling us the type of conduct in which is admirable for those who follow after Jesus. And so are you a follower of Jesus this morning? Do you take the commands of Jesus seriously? Are you willing to obey them no matter what? So this is important because the main, main part of this book is truly to live out as a light in a very dark world. Peter wants the faith family of the first century and then also right here in a gym like this, he wants the faith family to live godly lives, no matter how hard it might get. Let me say it again, the faith family, 
Peter, Paul, or Peter wants us to live godly lives no matter how hard it might get. And so how should we live, right? We come to another command. If you just look here at the opening verse, right? What does it say? Be subject to authorities. Oh boy, here we go. Be subject to authorities is the command that Peter gives us for this week. And so I plan on making a few of you just a little upset this morning. Not my fault, just, we'll just blame it on Peter, right? But in fact, I may not be the only ones getting the wrath here. I'm just going to turn it over to the community group leaders. So if you're in a community group or your community group leader, just beware that there may be some feisty conversations going on this week. And what do I care? I'm going to Honduras, so Daniel's in charge. So um, just uh, go at it, people. But how do you live? How should you obey? Subject yourself to authorities. So why is that? Well, it tells us that by doing this, that God is pleased. Where's my little clicker? Here's the main point for today. That God is pleased. God is pleased when you submit to authorities, right? Whether you like it or not, right? Or whether they're any good or not, whether they deserve it or not. God is pleased when you obey this command to be subject to authorities. Now let's be very honest. Fighting authority is in all of us. It's at the heart of all of us. We just, we, we just do not like to be restrained. We like our independence and we try to throw off all authority because we want it our own way. We don't want to come under anybody's rule because we're independent, right? We're Americans. We make our own way. Freedom is our middle name. So have you hung out with teenagers lately, right? These are just the, just the centerpieces of independent living. I was trapped indoors with a bunch of them over spring break because it was terrible weather. And so I know that this is their tagline. I'm gonna do it my way, dad, yours. You don't know what's going on, they say. In fact, there's a sticker on a teenager's door today and it says, if you're not enraged, you're not paying attention. So, authority figures, authority figures in our lives. It was a funny sticker. Co uh, authority figures. So, have you heard of a coworker talk behind a, uh, your boss's back? That's fighting authority. Have you fudged on your taxes lately? That's fighting authority. Have you spoken ill about law enforcement? And the injustice of pulling you over for a ticket that you did not deserve, McKibben, right? I mean, we just, we, we do that because authority figures, we think we have a right. So a, a couple of years ago, I got pulled over for having my shirt off in my car. True story. True story, I was on my way to Raleigh and I was leaving a casual environment going to a business meeting. And so I was approaching a business meeting and I was still in my casual apparel. And so I was approaching a red light. So I took off my seatbelt and I threw on my dress shirt to walk in as a presentable representative of an organization. That's what I do. So I'm rolling up to the red light and sitting there and so I'm pulling whatever and I'm putting my shirt on and all of this stuff. I tuck over and I look left and there's a police officer who's literally sitting in the, mar uh, in the uh, uh, what is that called? 
median. Thank you. I was going to say the margin. That's not it. The median. And he just smiles. So I pull, I turn right and he puts on his flashers and I'm like, what did I get pulled over for? I said, is it, I actually said, is it illegal to have your shirt off in the state of North Carolina? And he said, no, but it is to have your seatbelt off while operating a motor vehicle. And I said, I wasn't operating a, a, a moving vehicle. It was, I was stopped. I was at a red light. He was like, no, the car was engaged and you were behind the wheel. And so did I pay that ticket? Yes, I did begrudgingly, but yes, I did. Because we all think that we're right. We think that we have our rights. And so being against the people who are in authority actually bristles us. The role of a Christian minister is to exalt Jesus, right? That's pretty clear and easy. And then the call, and then to call his church to submission of the Lord King Jesus's submission and government. Well, that's because the Bible is as much about his reign and his rule and King Jesus as it is anything. And so when you read the Bible, it really is about authority structures and whether we are able to come underneath them. His rule, but then our rebellion, his reigning, and then our every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. So this is a controversial passage. We'll just say it up front. In this passage, we will see a direct connection. You need to get this, a direct connection between our submission to authorities and then also of a human government and then also how Jesus has asked us to do these things. Jesus wants us to truly submit to or come underneath human authorities. And we cannot submit to Christ unless we submit to the commands of Scripture in which 1 Peter 2.13 is one of those. If you're under the age of 30 this morning, just know that we have crafted this sermon for you. Because this sermon really needs to target you. And that's, you probably ask why. Well, it's just to say, because you are probably feeling the most free or the most rebellious and you don't want to come underneath. But there's something else going on other than just typical teenage next-gen realities. There's a real danger because in the last two years, you have been aggravated in what uh, the, the experts call skepticism of authorities. You are more skeptical today than you were two years ago. And there's no doubt that some of that is a little bit of uh, uh, deserved. When you look at the authorities in your world and you look with great skepticism, you think about potentially the Catholic church and the Protestant church and some of the abuses that have come down through the news cycles in the last couple of years. You've also watched your so social media feed find fault in with everyone about anything at, at all times. You have experienced potential governmental or authoritative like overreach and forced you to do certain things that you weren't comfortable doing or you didn't want to do it. And so as you see it, authority figures can't be trusted. They're put into power and then they abuse that power. Researchers say that after COVID, 
that this entire generation are now more distrusting of experts and authority figures. So sure, it's human nature for all of us to bristle against authority, but now even more for you under 30, it's now acceptable an entire generation to throw off the authority. So what do we do? What do we do this morning? Next-gen people under 30, right? The young ones, what do you do? We go back to the scriptures and we listen closely to how it instructs us. And in this section that we call Christian living, this Christian conduct, the way in which you are to be holy as the Lord is holy, to be set apart, how should we live? Peter just pushes in and said, submission. Submission to authorities is one of those. It's easy for the preacher to skip these types of sections, right? These are hard sections. But if we do that, right, even with it being so unsettling or even surprising and controversial, what we'll do is we'll miss out on our Savior. Because in our passage, we see Jesus himself submitting himself to a human authority that abused its power. We miss out on seeing him and his obedience unto death, even death on the cross and giving us an example in which we are to follow, which is, which is how the passage ends. You know what's easy to preach? Civil disobedience. That part is fun, right? And that part is exciting. So anytime you bring up civil disobedience, everybody goes, yeah, I wanna be on that train. And so you just, if you read your CBR this week and we started Exodus, you see the midwives actually kind of just bow up against Pharaoh himself and disobey his direct orders. And all of us go, yeah, take that Pharaoh, right? Because we get that. Shadrach, Meshach, Abendo, take that. I mean, but so that's easy preaching. This one is a little harder. Peter is bringing back some old topics of chapter one and he's asking you and me, how are we to be sojourners? How are you and I going to be good exiles? Well, by understanding that God is pleased when we submit to authorities, whether we like it or not, or whether they're good or not. And I know that there's a lot of gray area in that. But today my job is not to give us the yeah, but scenarios, because that's what your, your, you and your community groups can do that. My job is just to teach the text for how it stands here in 1 Peter, knowing that there's a lot of other things that could be said. So first thing that you see is this idea that we are to submit to authorities. In particular, this idea of these governmental agencies. You hear these words like emperor and governor and these authorities in which they reign and rule and they're able to punish and reward and all of this language. This is a wild request for us to understand. It's a wild request for you and I to be subject to this idea. It makes me just cringle a little bit. Yet, verse 13 is clear. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. So this isn't Peter just giving us advice. He reckons the Lord's name himself. And for the Lord's sake, this is what's giving the power to this command to do this. So these clear government officials, you need to be 
subject or submit to them. To put it another way, a way of saying this is to place yourself underneath every institution. This entire section is about submission, right? I think, I think it's either three or four different times in which we see this word submitting to some type of authorities, all, all, all types and all sizes. Peter is telling us, whether it be the emperor or the governor or bosses, husbands and wives and all kinds of things, this is the impetus. This is the push of the entire way in which we should live. And so Paul is telling our next-gen people in here this morning, all of you guys and gals, that authority is good. It's a good thing, and it can be a blessing. That's hard to say, isn't it? It's hard to hear. So why can I say that? Well, because he uses this phrase to subject to authorities in the same way that he brings in these household codes, codes of husbands and wives. And he's actually bringing some symmetry alongside in the same way you are engaging at home is the same way that you engage in civil discourse in your communities, in your towns, in your cities, and your nations. He's using the same word. Be subject to these authorities. And in these areas, the command is clear that we should, should be subordinate in various relationships. That includes the government. So most of the time, the people in charge, they make it easy on us, right? They keep us out of war. They try to keep us safe. They invest money in good things like bridges and roads. A lot of governments are sympathetic to Christian or faith-based causes. During COVID, our county commissioners invited me in to pray for them and to actually pray a blessing over them. So most of the time, they make it easy on us. And we're like, okay, sure, do what you do, man or woman. Looking at this context, we see some of this goodness of our, our government. You see that in this phrase, it's the, those people who punish evil and praise the things that are good. And we love authorities who do that well. We love it when, when, when real humans are acting on behalf of, of others. And, they, and we understand that we need restraint and we need laws and we need to come underneath some things and we need to be protected from ourselves. And we are people that, that want to run astray and we need to be pulled back and we need a governor, right, on, on a motor, but also a governor to reign and rule over us. And I'll prove it to you. Think about your favorite teacher or think about your favorite coach. Both of these are authority figures in your life. And you just happen to look at them and say, they made me better. They worked hard to get the most out of me. We are to obey our authority, authorities. We've got local commissioners and we have mayors, we have state representatives, we have governors, we have national authorities. Even if our preferred political party is not in power, they're still there. And that means that we pray for our leaders. We must obey our authorities. In the world, there's other governments in which First Peter is still applicable. There's absolute monarchs, there's strict aristocrats, there's tribal chiefs. 
this context is the authorities that are in your life. Are you willing to come underneath them? These agencies of man, these human institutions, what do you do with them? Peter says they're there for a reason. These are direct human uh, forces that God, God himself has ordained. If you flip to Romans 13, you hear even stronger language than 1 Peter. Here, Paul would say that there is no authority except from God. And what exists has been entrusted by God, Romans 13. And then even stronger, it says, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. Whew, what do we do? So community group leaders, get ready for a firm and strong conversation. God doesn't want us to have complete independence. He knows that we're better when we come underneath. He doesn't trust, God doesn't trust a brute creation of our own inclinations without any regard or full disregards of the welfare of others. And by and large, that's what governmental agencies are doing is for the welfare of the city, the welfare of communities. And they know that the community is bent toward individualism to do whatever they want, whenever they want, and is try to corral them. And so again, people under 30, you're simply never allowed to say, I will accept and cherish God's ultimate authority in my life but I hate human authority. You just simply can't say that because the scriptures give us some parameters, some civil discourse and how we are to be good civilians under authority and 1 Peter 2 is one of those. So in all spheres of life, we need to be underneath the authorities, whether it be coaches or teachers, parents or police, pastors or presidents, God is pleased when you and I submit to authority. The second point is to do good, not bad. I want you to look at verse 14. I want you to look at verse 15. I want you to look at verse 20, 14, 15, and 20. There is this little phrase in which you are or we are to do good. That's pretty simple. And how, do, how are we able to do good, 14, 15, and 20? It's simply this action of being a good civilian and to, to honor those people who are, who are in control. We may think that loyalty to Christ would mean that we gain the right of full rebellion against ungodly authorities. And yet in our passage, the simple reminder is we don't. Our job is to do good. And so let's talk about context, right? Who is this emperor and who are these governors? Surely he's a nice guy, right? Or surely uh, he loves Christians and wants their flourishing, right? Well, actually the answer is no. His name is Nero, N-E-R-O. Just do a little bit of a Wikipedia uh, research and understand this guy was bad news. He persecuted Christians. He's, he executed Peter. He was no, he was no fan of Christendom. 
He hated Christians and he used all of his authority and might against them. It is in this context, it's in this generation in which Peter is pinning, be subject to authorities, to human governors, emperor included. Mind blown. I wasn't there. I can't tell you exactly what was going on, but this is almost cringeworthy. It should bother you that Peter pens these types of words. It should aggravate you that he would be almost dumbfounded or ignorant to know what he was doing. This guy, emperor, this Nero and his treatment of Christians did the exact opposite of welfare or flourishing. You see, this is an extreme example, Nero. And yet every authority figure is flawed in some way, including the elders at Redstone Church. We all have flaws. And we are not expected to only be subject or submit to those authorities who treat us well or to treat us fairly because all authorities are defective. In the first century, Peter is commanding the church of Bithynia, right? Cappadocia, Asia Minor, and telling them to subject themselves. We need you to submit and obey. I grew up in a political family. Both my grandfather and my father was in uh, local state politics, a little dabble in the national. And so I understand a little bit of what civil leadership actually does. And so one of my favorite examples, it comes in the election year of my father. He was the incumbent. He was by far the favorite. He was the easy favorite to win. When deep in the summer, you know how deep South politics go, but deep in the summer, there were some accusations that were made and the opponent found a little bit of an edge. You see, early in my father's career, he passed a law that forced every mobile home in Georgia to have an underpinning at the base of the unit. You see, once, twice, three times a year, um, huge tornado type weather would rip through Georgia. And every few years, these violent storms got so bad that they would go through mobile home parts and damage them and throw them all over everywhere. Well, in some research, my dad found that if these units had a simple just barrier around the the, the base of them just to create or or to, to, to prevent some type of suction or wind tunnel, that a lot of lives would be saved. And so it was logical, right? Well, not so fast. So my dad's opponent, he was the working man's candidate and he took this information, he used it against my father, saying that what my father wanted to do was punish the working man and force him to pay something that he could not afford. That guy won, my father lost. And so the good guy didn't win in my my part of the story, right? It was the bad guy, the one who used dirty tactics to beat my dad. But do you know what happened next? My father didn't, never said, not my president. He would have never enlisted those types of words that would come out of his mouth. In fact, to date, I've never heard one ill word from that man in my home or in any conversation. My father knew that authorities would come and go, both good and bad, using dirty tactics and bad ones. 
So let me ask you, in the places that you live, in the places that you work, the places where you're a citizen, do you submit to authority? Do you submit to the authorities in your life? Are you glad for an employer who thinks about you and thinks about the benefits package that you may have? Do you recognize the types of restraints that governors and emperors and presidents have on society to actually protect you? These are hard words. That's why I'm reading from a manuscript today. Submit to authorities, but why? What is the motivation to do this? Well, I put it in simple phrase because we're spiritual people. But the real phrase is we're spiritual people doing spiritual things. Once again, look at our context. Look at some of the words that are in our context. Why do we do this? What is the purpose of this? What is the reality? It's because God himself is involved with the authorities that are in our lives. Even the first phrase, for the Lord's sake, do this, that, and the other. For this is the will of God, you will see in our passage. You will also hear, fear God, be mindful of God, in the sight of God. We are spiritual people engaged in a spiritual product in a real life scenarios. So underneath the hood of our faith, we rest this motivation that we must fear God in all things and want to obey him first. In every relationship, the good emperors and the bad ones, or, and the bad governors, in every relationship, there needs to have a, what I call an ulterior motive, a force or an impetus deep into your heart. And what is that motive? Is to be salt and light to those around us for you to be able to be sought in life so that your good works will be seen by others. Peter is quoting Paul, uh, Jesus in this passage. And so how do you sojourn well? How do you be a good exile? Submitting to human authorities is one of those ways. Peter will actually tell us that this is one of the most powerful evangelistic efforts that we have at our disposal. And so next gen, guys, let me remind you that we understand that you are very suspicious of authority figures because you've seen the abuse in various ways. We get it, but you cannot dismiss 1 Peter 2. And this is why it's important. This is why it's important, right? Because when I think about my parenting skills, when I think about my home and my type of, quote, authority in my life and as a parent, as a husband, and as a father, let me tell you that none of my kids, zero of them, none of my kids, they're all sitting here, none of my kids have ever come up and said, Dad, you're such an amazing authority figure in my life. They've never said that. The way you send me into the corner or take my phone, it is exactly what I needed and well-deserved. Bravo, Dad. I am out of line. Never, ever, right? And yet, from my end of things, it's good for them to be in their life. 
It's good for them to hand out measures or to draw lines because I know that where the line is and if it's crossed, that there's hardship on the other, in the other way. We all resist it, right? And we resist it in our fleshly power because we forget that we're spiritual people doing a spiritual thing. And in our flesh, we want to do it our way, all the way, all the time, no matter what. My son McKibben, he was six or seven years old and there was a strict there was a strict rule in my house. I mean, I, we run a tight ship at the Teal household. It was this, there was a, so he was six, seven, eight. He was old enough to know, right? And there was a strict rule, no eating in the living room. Simple, right? There's one couch. We don't want spaghetti on the couch arm, right? We don't need peanut butter and jelly on, you know, my slacks when I sit down. These are simple things. Well, the reason is because all the kids would gravitate there because the living room is where the TV was. And when Lab Rats was on or the Andy Griffith show were on, you know, the things that my kids grew up on, you know, when they, when these things were on, they wanted to watch it. And so McKibben was found one day eating in the living room. And I was like, McKibben, you know the rule, dude, out of the living room. And he simply said, I'm not in the living room. And I was like, four walls, named living room to everybody on the planet. You're in the living room. He was like, I'm not in the living room. And I was like, yes, you are. This, that's the dining room. This is the living room. That's a bedroom. This is a living room. And he goes, I'm not in the living room. I understand there is a living room, but I'm not in the living room. And he's just watching TV, eating whatever he was eating. And I was like, dude, get your little keister up and go to the table. He was like, the rule is I'm not in the living, to not eat in the living room, I'm not in the living room. See, what he had, he had um, sequestered a portion of the living room, which included the couch, which he was not on, and the living room rug, which he was not on. He was sitting on the hardwood floor in front of the TV and that two foot space was enough to not be the living room. <laughs> when we act in our own flesh, we create some, some, some rules and some loopholes in which we are naturally wanting to get out of, right? When we feel the tension, what Peter is trying to remind us though is that the loopholes, they may be there, but make sure that the loopholes that we are going to create come from a spiritual mandate. The fact that we are spiritual people doing a spiritual job and the way that we respond to authorities will get their attention. If you quote, do good, as a spiritual motivation, the authority, this passage tells us that the authorities around you, governors and emperors will start paying attention to that type of conduct. In fact, submission to their authority in the first century was one of the strongest apologetics to the watching world. Submission was the greatest evangelistic tool for the gospel's sake for those people who are in civic authority. This passage is so bold 
to say that the way that we respond in a spiritual way could get all the way up to the emperor he's mentioned twice. The way you react may get the governor's attention. The way you respond as spiritual people doing a spiritual job may get the mayor's attention. It may get your senator's attention. The entire range of government authorities, that and your bosses, will now be on high alert because the Christian church responds differently. Remember this whole passage started with, be holy as I am holy. Be set apart as I am set apart. And Peter ends with the example of Jesus. He ends with this idea that Jesus Christ himself was the true one to submit himself to be subject to all authorities. This passage ends with a remarkable reminder of our King Jesus and his complete submission. It's a direct quote from Isaiah 53 one of the most significant passages in scriptures and the scripture we'll read when taking communion. This Isaiah 53 describes the suffering servant. You hear of a prophet, the one who will bear our griefs, who will bear our sorrows. He will bear our sins and he will bear our transgressions. He is the one who will allow us to have peace with God. Jesus Christ himself committed no sin. He was a spiritual person doing a spiritual job 100%. He had no sin. He had no deceit that was found in his mouth. He was innocent beyond anything. He was an innocent lamb led to the slaughter. And yet what did the authority figures do in Isaiah 53? They reviled him. And what did he do? He did not revile back. They threatened him and he didn't threaten in return. They mocked him. He was whipped, he was scourged, he was hung on a cross for our sins. He bore the sins on our body, full of rebels, full of people of persecution. But he did that so that the righteous may belong to him. By his wounds, we are healed. So the proper motivation for the Christian is to live this example. Look at the passage. You see this idea that Jesus Christ is our example in which we are to follow. For in verse 21 says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. If you are under the age of 30, I want you to highlight that and I want that to be a, one of your life verses. For what we do is not out of morality. What we do is not out of good ideas. What we do is out of example and following the pattern of Christ Jesus himself. He suffered and he was subject to the authorities in his life. Look at that phrase, to which you are called. So what are you called to? What are you called to? Verse 21, for to this you have been called. What is this? What is this? To this you have been called. 
that this in this passage is the idea of suffering and suffering at the hands of those who mistreat you so that you can follow the examples of Jesus. You've been called to suffer an unjust abuse, to have patient endurance and follow after the pattern of King Jesus. That is the this in which you have been called. Practically, in, verse, in chapters, chapter one, you've been called and set apart to be his. Here, very practically, you've been called in order to suffer as Christ has suffered. He suffered and is calling you and I to suffer. This is an example in which we are to follow. As we come to the Lord's table and we think of the full submission of Jesus, let us reminder of this example Lest reminder in which what we might follow in his steps that verse 22 says, quoting Isaiah 53, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to those who judge, those who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your soul. Jesus Christ himself is shepherding you now this morning. And he himself is overseeing your souls. And he knows that your soul will be corrupted if you spend your whole life in full rebellion for rebellion's sake. Make sure we submit and be subject to the authorities in our lives, even the human ones that mistreat us. Let's pray. So Lord, you have us in a hard text this morning where we see emperors and we see governors and we see bosses and masters possibly mistreating us in ways that we don't deserve. And Lord, our motivation this morning is simply to love you well and to worship you well, to have our hearts softened to you to hear that we are not going through anything that the king himself, the Lord himself, the lamb who was led to the slaughter didn't come to first. You are our firm example. You are a great pattern in which we are to trace our life toward. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us an example in which we, to, we are to follow. And so, Lord, as we come to this table, this table of remembrance, as we remember you and your scars, we remember your stripes, as we remember your death on the cross for our lives, fathers, help us to remind ourselves that by these wounds is how we will find healing. Peter knows this and he needs us and he knows that we need a stronger example. And so as we come to your table, Help us for our hearts to melt knowing that your example is firm and true and good. 
And so for that, Lord, we say thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.